This is Coda Radio, episode 269 for August 10th, 2017. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business, the software development, and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. Me? Well, my name is Chris, and normally this is the part where either Jar Jar or Mike would jump on the uh, other end of the line here, but not this week. In the irony of all ironies for a podcaster... There's like pretty much nothing, nothing that takes a podcaster out like this. So Mike's doing a little traveling this week, probably because he had to get the hell out of Florida. I don't know. I, he'd have to comment on that. He gets to where he's going, and the luggage that has his microphone gets lost. So uh, we literally have no mic this week, but uh, fear not. We have such a fantastic guest. I am very excited to welcome Philip Tribble to the show. Philip, welcome to Coda Radio. Thank you, Chris. Um, it's an honor to be here. I've been a fan of what you guys have been doing since you're talking about Fedora 6 on the old last <laughs> podcast. Yeah, so a uh, little surprise for me. I didn't realize that you were, tor- tor- I would say, Torah Karan. <laughs> That's how I would have said it in the uh, in the chat room, which is really awesome. I didn't know that. Uh, also, I guess you could say Tori Kun, which would also probably be the proper way to say it. But anyways, Phil, that's not why you're here today. Um you have an open source project that we've talked a bit about around the edges, and of course we've talked a ton about Docker, but it's PyCluster, which allows you to manage Docker containers simply, uh, like the name would probably imply, from a Raspberry Pi. It's, it's for those of you who found Docker Swarm to be a bit jank and busted, but Kubernetes was just way too much and, well, obviously not really available for ARM. PyCluster comes in, and uh, tell me a little bit about the project, give me the elevator pitch, and uh, and also... Uh, what is what it is licensed in, Philip? Sure. So I started PyCluster because Swarm was very unstable. I even wrote a blog post that went viral and started arguments of <laughs> good man, one good man, work Docker, <laughs> and then that's called the sad state of Docker. You guys even featured it, mm-hmm. and also um, Kubernetes was really crappy on uh, ARM architecture. I wanted to get my six Raspberry Pi nodes up and running and managing containers efficiently. But nothing worked good for the Pi. So then I started to create this um, Pi cluster Node.js, and it was very basic, create, build, run containers. And then it really started to kick off and get a lot of um, traction. So what PyCluster basically is, it's an advanced management framework for your Docker containers. It has a lot of unique features that other solutions don't have. Um, For example, virtual IP management. If you are at home and you have a node that fails, you want your services to be up and running on the next node. And that's why virtual IP management is good because you don't want to go into your router all the time and reconfigure the port forward mapping that's annoying (laughs) (laughs) and also um it has uh failover 
and heartbeat monitoring for your applications and services. And then you can also move them between hosts with our automatic failover logic. And uh, just a point, a couple points of clarification here. So it's a GPL license three, right? And it's not Correct. it's not limited to the Pi. You could actually just run it on an x86 system if you wanted. Yeah, that's the message we're really trying to push so people don't think it's only isolated to ARM architecture. I mean, it, I would love to see people on DigitalOcean running Pi Cluster to, and managing their websites or whatnot. Maybe I mean uh, I so is that is are you when you say you're pushing that is it because when people hear the name Raspberry Pi they think it's not production ready is that what the problem is is there a bit of a acceptance barrier? Not everybody run yeah yeah that also not everybody runs um, Raspberry Pis so <laughs> I want to reach everybody. <laughs> sure sure all right so uh, what is this predominantly written in is this a, is this Node JS? Yeah the back end is all Node JS and with the JavaScript front end that was completely almost rewritten for a, the new 2.0 release. And are you using Docker itself on the Pi image? No. Um, you have to install Docker and Node yourself okay. and basically clone the repo and run the Node apps. So I want to talk about a couple of features of it because you're right. It, it does offer a bunch of great features. And for people that are more in my boat, uh, this seems perfect, especially if I have a couple of systems running, uh, you know, actually like three. I have three DigitalOcean droplets that run containers for me right now. And that's just sort of my beginning. It'll eventually be a lot more than that. So uh, there's a couple of things that jumped out at me that I wanted to ask you about. I noticed that this would be obvious one, obviously one that I need because some of these are running live stream uh, services, is you have Heartbeat for services. Now, can you explain what that is and how does it work? So is that, is that something that maybe you could, you could sort of outline not just what it is, but like how did you actually accomplish the Heartbeat aspect of it? Sure. Well, first of all, it's good that you're using containers and you're becoming modern in this day of age. And <laughs> popular. Well, um, don't 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 uh, give me too much credit. They make it pretty easy these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how it works is you have a main master config file called config.json and when you add the container, you put the heartbeat monitoring ports for the container and ev and also the time to scan the um, the container's port. Well, I think by default it's 3 seconds. So every 3 seconds the Pi cluster will try to connect to that port, and if it fails, it'll try to restart the container three times. And if that fails and you have um, automatic container host failover enabled, it'll um, okay. delete the container from that host, build the image on the one of the other machines that you specify, create the container, run it, and the configuration file is automatically updated to reflect the changes. So it handles all that for you so you can worry-free. That is really fancy. And, of course, it's all presented in a fancy HTTP interface to me, right? So you had to also build that front end. Yes. I'd like to talk a little bit about that, uh, actually. So let's let's pause here for a second, uh, and uh, let's just make room to talk about that. And uh, we were just we were just talking about DigitalOcean. It would be it would be a lack of my diligent duty here if I did not mention DigitalOcean. I mean, how obvious is this? DigitalOcean.com. What a great way to try out what we're talking about today. You could spin up a droplet ready to go with Docker, Ubuntu LTS base, and then load Pi Cluster and start working with exactly what we're talking about today. If you get curious, that's what's so great about DigitalOcean is the speed and pricing make all of this kind of stuff possible for everybody. $5 a month for their starter rig. Everything uses fast SSDs. 
All of the hypervisors have 40 gigabit e-connections coming in data centers all over the world. They all use the same great straightforward API and fantastic dashboard. So you can try this stuff or put it in production like I have and leave it running. The pricing's great and they have hourly too. And now they also have high CPU droplets for really compute intensive applications, highly available block storage, which is also SSD based, cloud based firewalls, which block traffic at the network level so it never even touches your rig. I love all of it, including the monitoring, alerting, the measuring systems, the metrics you can get out of it. It's fantastic. And they back it all up with really great documentation. So if something built in doesn't work for you or you want to take your skill set to the next level, they got great documentation to help you get it working. DigitalOcean.com. All you have to do is create an account. That's free. You sign up. And then after you've signed up, apply our promo code CODERDIGITAL. It's one word, Coder Digital. It'll give you a $10 credit. You can try out that $5 rig two months for free. Play around with Pi Cluster absolutely free over at DigitalOcean.com. DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code Coder Digital. So I guess, Philip, maybe right before we get into front end stuff, because um, I, I, I have a feeling this might be relevant as we get further down the road, why, why Node.js really quickly? <laughs> That's a good question. My boss, um, when I joined a previous container management platform company wanted me to start writing sample apps in Node.js and mm-hmm. it really stuck with me and I began to like it. I hated it at first and still have somewhat of a little hatred to it. <laughs> we have a couple developers in the room, uh, Token Ring and ours, and we're always struggling with NPM issues. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I really thought it was a good framework to build web applications and it proved to be right. And uh, and I suppose uh, the, really the proof is in the pudding because uh, the project has been able to probably get as far as it has because of it. So okay, now so moving on to the front end was what was I haven't really had a chance to look at. It. I see a few screenshots here. Uh, was this really the drag of the project? Was this the part you regretted the most, or was this something that you couldn't wait to get to? So first, I created the GUI because ah. everybody you need a good administrative web interface to manage your system so you could do it on mobile or your desktop. And then the command line client came in second, which is, since it's all REST API, right, it's pretty much easy to write the command line client, which is just a bunch of curl commands that communicate with the server. So yeah, I did it kind of backwards probably than most projects. That's fascinating. <laughs> no, it makes sense because then you know what to connect to what. Like you have the pieces there to connect to. Yeah. And so uh, it wasn't a drag necessarily. So then I guess the reverse question would be appropriate. Was the back end part of it more of the drag and the part you regretted? Was it more, was, was the impetus really to build a complete thing or was, did, was, it, was it, I could build an interface to do this and now I need to connect that interface to something. I'm fascinated how the creative process works here. Oh. Well, I wanted to learn how applications are different. Um, I wanted to build microservices architecture because that's what I did at my previous company. And so I never really got to actually do that. And I'm like, this is my chance with PyCluster because I'm going to break out all the services down between the web console, an agent that runs on the nodes, and then the actual server and have them all communicate with each other and authenticate. I really wanted to learn basic authentication. And that was the creative process for that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, that uh, I can really see that. I, I love I love tools like this because they're the they're the exact tool for me. 
They're not they're not too small that they're irrelevant. They're fully capable enough for, for me to accomplish what I want, but they're not Kubernetes complicated where I need to go to a conference and attend a few talks before I've totally grokked it. And that is the fundamental – that's like the nexus of enablement between what the Raspberry Pi can do, what what a general technology platform like Node.js and Linux can provide, and with just somebody scratching the right itch, a project comes along like this that sort of empowers one person – one individual now to multiply their power. It's like you, you've given somebody a, an upgrade to their tool set because now they can take, they can mult, they can multiplex uh, their power across multiple systems. So it's it's sort of a it's 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 sort of amazing when tools like this come about because you are undoubtedly changing the way many people work that use this project. Do you have any size kind of numbers? Do you have any kind of guesses how big the project is? How many people might be using it? Um, all I know is that we have 209 stars on GitHub, and we had um, hundreds of – since the 2.0 released last week, we had hundreds of uh, pulls from Git. So people are checking it out and using it. I don't have any success stories. I would love to hear some um, if people in Jupyter Broadcasting or Discord are using it and have a good success story. Please share it with the team. And if you're running it on DigitalOcean, we would – Love to hear your feedback and experience with that. All right, so let's talk about working with Elasticsearch, how you integrated it and what, what it's used for and what it was like to work with it. Oh, yeah. So Elasticsearch, in my previous company, um, I never really got to experience it, and now I'm in love with it. I use it to uh, aggregate all the logs. All on right, my we'll rest. start there. Why are you in love with it? Tell me about it. <laughs> well, I can basically aggregate all the logs on my Raspberry Pis and have a single page to view all the activity. And I could do searches on errors and analyze web traffic and build nice graphs to see how many people are trying to get into my WordPress install and how many people access this page. And I can also filter out specific errors in the logs such as out of memory or disk is full, buy some more SD cards. And I wanted to add that to Pi Cluster because um, system administrators use that to analyze their environment because they have to manage thousands of servers and they need a good uniform interface. So I added an iframe link so you can access Kibana, which is basically the web front end for Elasticsearch into Pi Cluster. Mm. So you can you configure the Kibana URL and then you click on Kibana and then you can the Kibana web dashboard will be embedded in Pi Cluster. And also I wanted to add events. So Pi Cluster can add all the log output specific to Pi Cluster to Elasticsearch, which then you can view in Kibana. For example, PyCluster has a, an interactive terminal, and you can run current uh, terminal commands, and they'll be saved in Elasticsearch so you could reference it later. And also, if you see any heartbeat fail errors or container errors, you can PyCluster will send them to Elasticsearch, and then you can view them. So, you know, I, uh, I, I, I came from an era where what Elasticsearch does was a very big business that came, people came in and they would connect in with your applications and essentially offer Oracle-based solutions around Elasticsearch. So I, that was, 
you know, that was my experience in the industry. So some, something like Elasticsearch coming along is, to me, it's, it's like one of those game-changer technologies. So I, and I never really get to talk to, anybody, talk to anybody that's using it. So I'm really, Philip, I'm just fascinated to pick your brain a little bit about it because what I don't understand is from a developer's perspective, are you writing the code to catch things in the Elasticsearch database or can you somehow, and what is the facility to do so, supply that those parameters to the Elasticsearch system and it will present that information to your application? Uh, so basically what PyCluster does, it just sends all the log data via the REST API for Elasticsearch. So it's just then... giving it basically like syslog level output constantly? Yeah. Okay. Every time a log is entered or added and it pushes it out. But but what is doing the parsing and the triggering based on what is parsed? Oh, so in the config option, you can enable um, Elasticsearch. And then every time the log is populated with any entry, there's an if condition that will also send it to Elasticsearch uh-huh. um, okay. via the REST okay. API. I see. Oh man, that is, and then and then Elasticsearch using the what was the web front end to let you to let you uh, filter it and view it. What was it called? Kibana. Please check it out. It's the best thing in the world. Kibana. What's it? I'm going to look it up right now. What's it, how? How do you spell that? K i b a n a. All right. I will also put a link to that in the show notes because that that looks like it's a pretty pretty critical piece for folks that are trying to do something like like uh, you know just use Elasticsearch. Oh my gosh! Look at this thing. Holy smokes, this is a big deal. This looks so, really uh, good, Philip. <laughs> About Kibana, um, I have an awesome Elasticsearch demo where it's on my GitHub page. I can tell you it later. But um, it'll allow you to mine tweets with a note app I wrote <laughs> about a specific topic. And then it'll push it to Elasticsearch, and then you can do uh, your data mining analytics on that and do graphs. If you choose Donald Trump, your system will be overloaded because you get thousands <laughs> of tweets per minute. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you had a chance to catch uh, current episodes of Coda Radio, but I, I'm just thinking of the Mad Botter. Um, you know, Alice is current, the Mad Botter is the company, and Alice is the current bot for Mr. Dominic. And I'm just thinking about how this kind of data from your Docker containers could be really useful for bots too because they could turn it into like a message that gets posted to Slack and, and you know, like a sysops thread or something. This is, there's a lot of, there's like, it's just, things are just one step away from getting crazy, crazy automated now. <laughs> you can <Yep>. see something <laughs> sitting on top of Pi Cluster even automating it further maybe. Wait, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's something definitely to explore more. I didn't see that episode. I guess I need to catch up with that and... It's last week. It's new. It's still fresh. It's still sort of fresh as we sit and record this one. So uh, no shame. No shame. So you have. Uh, so you have also uh, the uh, the ability, I believe, to pull down. I would assume images from the Docker repo uh, from the hub, quote unquote. Oh yes, that's an exciting new feature that ours from Jupiter Broadcasting uh, committed um, has support for registries that require authentication. And then you can choose what node you want to pull the image to. And oh, of course. Because you can save space, right? The images are huge these days. Yeah. That is, I hadn't even thought about that part of it. Of course, that's a of great course. feature to be able to choose where it drops. That's, I, mm, 
This is then this is version you guys are on one oh right now. Is that where it's at? Version one dot of Pi Cluster? Two dot oh and oh, we're two. working on two dot one, which is gonna have some nice improvements and new features. Yeah, boy, oh boy. I I you know what you gotta do is and maybe this is already done, is there is there a Docker container of Pi Cluster? <laughs> No, there isn't, but ours uh, made a Docker Compose file so you can run it in Docker easily on your laptop. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. So Philip Philip and I are both on the uh, west coast of the... of the U.S., which is nice, which means uh, there's no East Coast bias in this episode. Finally, finally, we've rid the East Coast bias. Uh, um, but uh, there's some, there's a big event coming up, um, and uh, I just wanted to give a quick mention of it here in the show before I forget. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a meetup during the Total Friggin' Solar Eclipse 2017 edition. I'm gonna go right smack dab in the middle of it on the west coast of Oregon as the moon and sun do their dance right over us, just north of Lincoln City, uh, west of Salem, about an hour west of Salem, the Pacific Wayside Crest. If you'd like to just meet up, hang out, and uh, chat a little Jupiter Broadcasting or whatever and watch the eclipse if you're in the area, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting for more info. So get some sunglasses or something, Philip, for the 21st because it's, it's coming your way. You're going to see a, I think you're going to get like a pretty decent show from California. Great, I can't wait. Yeah, it's not going to be the full Total Eclipse 2017 edition, which sounds super dramatic, but uh, we, uh, you know, we, we, do, we, do, we do with what we can. I got a couple of more follow- You've been So you've been listening to JB content for a while, yes? I mean, because I've seen yes. you in the chat room for ages. Um, oh, yeah. And so I, I got a couple of Coda Radio classics to throw your way, but I want to take a moment here and I want to thank Linux Academy, who's back to the show, and I am loving it because I think they're such a great sponsor for the entire JB audience. What's great about Linux Academy for Coda Radio, though, is a lot of you wind up in a position where you're deploying on Linux. Or you want to start deploying on Linux, and you want to be confident when you're using that base system. You want to get a little bit further. I think Linux Academy is so perfect for this. I the thing that the thing that I really think is perfect about it is that they'll spin up VMs for you for some of the courseware. So you are going to work hands-on with a real Linux box, and you can tell which version of Linux you want to use, which, so you can pick whichever one you're going to be working in production. That's, that's aces right there. And they have hands-on labs that give you scenario-based guides, and they have instructors that can help you if you have questions. And if you, know, you want to get a project done, you want to get working, that's invaluable. And if you just need to get into something, like you just want content that's specifically like, targeted and planned, they have learning paths for that. And if, if you think maybe it's time to get another certification... They also have courses created specifically to prepare you for the exams. They have nuggets with tiny little bits of wisdom that go deep into a topic. And they have a vibrant community packed full of Jupiter Broadcasting members. iOS and Android apps while you're on the go. Also, lesson audio and study guides that you can download and just consume offline, too, if you happen to be offline from time to time. Just do us a favor. Get started by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. That's how you support the show. Let them know that you actually heard it here and you appreciate them sponsoring the show. But also, it's a way to get a seven-day free trial. Hey, try out the platform and see what you think. linuxacademy.com slash coders. That supports the show and gets you started. linuxacademy.com slash coders. Sign up for a free seven-day trial. <clears throat> so, Philip, uh, if you uh, if you wanted to uh, have a moment on the show, I will give it to you. Any any follow up topics or corrections? Because you know we've we've been following the Docker stuff for a long time. Uh, you obviously are working pretty close with it. You've written some you've written some blog posts that we've featured on the show before. Uh, do you have any sort of amendments or additions to our our Docker coverage? 
No, uh, you guys pretty much hit all the topics. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, your check is in the mail. You're, you're, <laughs> I'll make sure you get paid for that compliment. Well, then, uh, okay, good. I was going to give you your chance. I was going to give you your chance. Well, uh, I want to just transition from Pi Cluster for a moment, though we can go back if anybody in the chat room has any questions or if you have anything you want to mention. But I don't want to miss linux-toys.com, which I came across when I was doing a little Googling about you to see who I was going to be talking to today. And uh, I get a sense there's a couple other things besides Pi Cluster going on. T- tell me a little bit about linux-toys.com. Yeah, it has a bunch of tutorials on there um, about Linux in general, such as setting up a Gluster cluster and a lot of Docker-related items. And also my uh, my first baby, um, Cloud Explorer, which is a Java-based uh, GUI and CLI Amazon S3 client that works on any OS that has Java 8 installed. And that that was my first big development project that got some traction. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the first big project. Uh, so uh, I'm reading through the post right now, uh, introducing Cloud Explorer 10, a powerful GUI and an Amazon S3 client. Cloud Explorer. Now, uh, can you tell me about this? What is this? Yeah, so it's an Amazon S3 client that has unique features that a lot of other clients don't do. Oh, um, snap. <laughs> first of all, it has IRC in it. So you can go to JB and talk and have a meeting with your um, colleagues there and then save the transcript of the meeting into an Amazon S3 bucket, which is basically a virtual directory to save your files and separate them. And then it also has screenshots to S3, uh, a music player, so you can play and stream your music from your Amazon S3 bucket and... It also works well with um, S3 compatible services like Minio or Scality S3 or whatever else is out there now. Everybody's doing their own S3 server. And um, also file versioning and syncing. So file versioning allows you to keep different um, versions of your file, but a lot of clients don't have that implemented so you can see and keep track of the versions. Yeah. And you need a good desktop sync. So you can sync uh, to and from your Amazon S3 from your folder. And also you can migrate data from one Amazon S3 account to the other. So you're not entirely locked in to one vendor and you can move however you want using the S3 API and also has some kind of a Dropbox like sync. So it'll sync a directory, say my dir every five minutes. And that was pretty good. I I, I didn't get any uh, feedback on that. I love that feature set. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I want to talk to you for a second about running a couple of projects, open source projects, and getting uh, community input. Uh, we have a couple of projects we run ourselves, and we're always trying to figure out new ways to get people to get involved. And I, I think a lot of it, a lot of it depends on working on something that people are interested in. So you can have a project that's important to you. But it's not necessarily important to a wide enough variety of people that you're going to get people involved with the project. So have you have you have you found that you have certain hobby projects or, or favorite projects that get less engagement and you have other projects that have gotten a lot more success? Or have you found the projects you're the most passionate about tend to be the ones the open source community responds the strongest to? What's been your, your experience? Well, well, I was very passionate about my first 
project years ago, uh, Mephisto Backup. It's basically you could back up your Linux machine into uh, a disk. It's a bootable Gen 2 Live CD. And you put that disk in and you could restore your system in a VM or any hardware. And it updates Grub, your NITRD image, and restores it perfectly for you. Not your home directory. That's your own problem, right? <laughs> but that was such a revolutionary idea and product that competed with Norton Ghost, but it just didn't have any traction. And I marketed it like crazy and tried to get developers, but nobody cared. Ah, that does sound like a beloved project, too. That does sound really cool, too. Yeah. And then Cloud Explorer, my other main product, um, nobody really cared about it. It has 92 stars on GitHub now. It's slowly rising, but no, it didn't really catch on. And PyCluster, um, I got developers now recently, Token Ring, um, Cheese Bacon did the logo and ours. They awesome. recently, awesome. in the last month, really contributed a lot of work for this. And I'm grateful for it because this is my first time actually interacting with a team of developers. It was a rough start because we have to get used to learning how to collaborate with each other and not mess up the repo. But it's so hard to get input. I don't know how major Linux uh, projects do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. How are you doing it now? What are, what are you using for interacting with folks? Is it just GitHub entirety or have you set up, a, are you thinking about or have you set up a, another external like resource to chat? Yeah, we communicate mostly uh, in Jupyter Broadcasting and also uh, <laughs> GitHub. Love it. <laughs> Because we're all Jupiter people here. So. That's great. That's great. So we. So here's the. Here's where I was getting to with my own self-serving interest in mind is we have all these little projects that we're working on, and uh, we have sort of like seen spikes of interest, and then they sort of drop off, or spikes of development, and then they'll sort of drop off. So it seems like to sustain the project, you know, it's, there always has to be some sort of uh, continuing movement forward. And I think the Pi project, the Pi cluster project, looks like it's you know, which one that's going to have really, really massive appeal. But a little locally here, Philip, uh, I, you uh, you're probably familiar, with Mr. Rekai from the chat room. The beard joins us here for a moment on the Hello. show. Hello. Hello. And, and uh, you were just uh, telling me in the chat room there that a uh, little bit of new code's been committed to uh, a bot we're working on. Yeah, I finally up, uh, uploaded the code for uh, the Discord part of JBot. It's basically just a, a super minimal subset right now, but it's in there. What What do you so is so this is uh, is this like using like Discord webhooks or what is it used to talk into Discord? It's using a Ruby gem called Discord RB. And does it does Discord make like an API for it to? Yep. Ah, okay. Huh. So I, this is something that we uh, we would love people's help on. Is we have JBot, beloved JBot that does many things, including start and stop droplets. It it, uh, it uh, is responsible for collecting title suggestions. It, it does quotes. It imports Twitter links. It does. I mean, to schedule information, Bitcoin currency information. It it tells you what shows are coming up on the on the live schedule. It start and stops the voting. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. It's funny you say it does all those things, but we want it to do a whole lot yeah. more. Oh yeah, way more. So we essentially have to rewrite large chunks of JBot. So really, help would be nice. Yeah, so you need help all across the board, not just with Discord integration. Yeah, because uh, we want to rewrite the uh, plugin system so that it's independent of. Uh, whichever bot because right now all the plugins are for irc and we just added discord so we want to write like uh, an abstraction layer 
So we can just write plugins once and then have it work on multiple. You know, and why not have a Telegram bot? Or honestly, why not be able to do bang next in Slack? Or, or whatever service you want to put it on. Why not be why not the staff would probably like to be able to use the schedule feature. Yeah. Jeez, that would be that would be really something. So where do we go to find out uh, where do we go to just start with git with uh, jbot? GitHub? Uh, the jithub? Yes. Uh github.com slash Rakai slash showbot. All right, I will link uh, the old showbot, aka Jbot, in the uh and then we also have the Jupyter Dev IRC channel, and we opened a Jupyter Dev channel in Discord as well. Right. So either whatever your pleasure is, irc.geekshed.net, and it's pound Jupyter Dev. Yep. And discord.me slash Jupyter Colony, and in there it is the uh, Jupyter Dev uh, Discord room too, which is, you know, it's kind of cool. So, so Philip, looping you back in on this, uh, those are resources that uh, I think are great and available for people like just getting started to to sort of use to to chat with like-minded folk. Uh, what do you think? You say your project say maybe had a regular five, ten contributors, maybe fifteen contributors at some point. What would, where, what would be your next step? What would be the next step for a project like this? Because now you're also starting to take on more admin work as you grow a community. Yeah, we would. I would probably become the Linus Torvalds. And just be a grumpy organizer and approver, right? <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about like uh, Slack or Discord as a chat system or, or um, you know, a Matrix or a, um, Rocket Chat? I like Discord because you guys first introduced me to it and it's very exciting. It looks better than Slack. and But I can't get all my devs to actually want to go to that. So yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. That's how that's how it goes. I mean, that is it's it's, it's hurting people with a, with very strong opinions. You get to point them to uh, the Discord API docs, then they'll be excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it? That's what I was something I was going to actually mention to both you guys. Is like, say you wanted to get started banging around on stuff. It seems like the the kind of nice thing about systems like DigitalOcean or Discord or Slack is that there is rich documentation and example code to learn from. Even if it's not open source and uh, GPL'd, like if you're just trying to learn how to write some stuff, it seems like that's, those are pretty strong resources. And then you combine like something, so, so say like writing on JBot, you know, something for JBot. Mm-hmm. Then you combine that with an active community that is goal-oriented, that is centered around content. So there's like a there's like an anchor to keep bringing that community back together. The content that that community produces is sort of the anchor, and you have persistent development chat rooms where people are talking, and you have things they're trying to create that talk to really well documented APIs with a lot of example code. It, it it's very self serving for me to say this, but at the same time, it also seems like a pretty great way for people to do a little side project uh, that isn't going to be all consuming, but allows them to scratch an itch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, gentlemen, uh, that's probably all we should say about our own self-serving <laughs> interests. Uh, this pie cluster stuff. Did you have any idea, Torikun, or how, how would you, how do you say it? Torokin? Do you say Torokin? Torikun. Torikun. How do? You, yeah. uh, Philip, give it to me one more time. Torikun. Did you have any idea this this guy in the chat room was working on stuff this cool? Nope. I know that was. I didn't even know he was the guy in the chat room until he said it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I didn't either. And I think that's really great. And it's really nice to hear that the community is pulling together and working on some of this stuff. And I love that Mr. Cheese is working on. Is this logo here on the on the uh, on the uh, GitHub page? Is that did Cheese do that? Is that yeah, he, that he is tops. That. that is that is pro level stuff right there. I got to say, Mr. There's Cheese nice Bacon. 
<laughs> oh yeah, what is it? Well, that'd be maybe we'll wrap on that. Tell me it. Yeah, I made a terrible logo which looked like a diagram, and I think everybody felt sorry for me and wanted to help make it great. So <laughs> then Cheese Bacon comes along and comes up with this beautiful logo. And I'm very grateful for it. Very cool. You know, Mr. Cheese Bacon should set up like a uh, like a little like um like a not bug bounty, but like you know just like basic community pricing and uh, just take side projects. Because yeah, damn, he could probably him up. I know he could make us he could probably make a steady little trickle of income. Uh, you just have to get that pricing just right. So or you could probably find him in the uh, Jupiter Broadcasting chat room from time to time. He's often in there during live shows. So again, it's that's it's great too because uh, I I think uh, you know. You get somebody who's great at something and somebody who's great at something else, get them together in the chat room and look what happens. It's pretty cool. Well, Philip, is there anything else we should mention or any other resources you want to throw out to folks before we uh, run out of here? Nope. I'm sure you'll have all the links um, to my so. stuff I, in the show notes. <laughs> I, I, that is my intention, sir. You know me too well. That is uh, that is my evil plan, and uh, I hope to have all that in there. I should mention, too, that... Uh, if all things work out, <laughs> and who knows, you know, with travel stuff, who knows? But if all things work out and Mike gets his uh, suitcase before Sunday, as we talk right now, it's Thursday. If he gets his suitcase before Sunday or on Sunday morning, he'll join us for user air recording. And uh, he'll tell Beard and I what the hell's been going on. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll, get a, you'll get a little update from Mr. Dominic in a future edition of user air. We can also find him there in the past as well. Go check out his stuff. Don't forget the Mad Botter. His new site's up. It's gorgeous, and Alice may help you get more work done and your team get more work done. Check it out at the Mad Botter. Thank you to Philip for coming on the show. Very, very much appreciate it. Keep working on all of that stuff. And uh, Mr. Beard, where should people get a little more of you? Uh, Rec.net. Very nice. And also check out Beardsley on User Air and on the recent on episodes Twitter. of... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Eurekai LP LP and uh, recently on Linux Unplugged too which has been a lot of fun yep more beard go get more beard thanks for being here and uh, hopefully both Mike and I will see you right back here next week <laughs> <laughs>